Coming to you from the Dietitians and Nutrition Support Dietetic Practice Group, this is the DNS Member Podcast, where we explore topics relevant to our field. From support line content to nutrition celebrity interviews and everything in between, this podcast is where DNS members can go behind the scenes and explore the driving forces behind cutting-edge nutrition support. I'm your host, Christina Rollins. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to the DNS podcast. With us today is registered dietitian Aaron Verhage. Erin is a featured author in the December 2021 edition of Supportline, where she publishes an article entitled The Role of Immunonutrition Supplementation in Improving Outcomes in Patients Undergoing Major Elective Surgery at a Moderate to High-Risk Surgical Status. Erin is a clinical dietitian at Spectrum Health Lakeland in St. Joseph, Michigan. She has over 20 years experience as an acute care dietitian, with 18 of those years working mainly in the critical care unit. Erin graduated from Michigan State University with a bachelor's degree in nutrition and dietetics, followed by a dietetic internship through Andrews University in Barron Springs, Michigan. She has been a certified nutrition support clinician since May of 2009, with a primary interest in adult critical illness nutrition. She recently achieved advanced practitioner level at Lakeland, is a principal preceptor for dietetic interns, and serves as lead dietitian and mentor to her colleagues and upcoming professionals in the field. Erin has spent the last 18 years researching the prevalence of malnutrition in the hospital, best standards of practice for enteral and parenteral nutrition support, and over the last eight years has had a focus on the impact of perioperative nutrition in the outcomes of high-risk surgical patients. She has developed many presentations for her colleagues, physician residents, medical students, and other healthcare professionals, demonstrating how malnutrition affects patient outcomes. Erin was the primary investigator for a preliminary research project that examined how nutrition when implemented as part of a pre-surgery planning program, would help achieve enhanced recovery after surgery in high-risk patients. She was instrumental in this process to develop policies and procedures, educate medical and nursing staff, and implement immunonutrition supplement protocols. Erin, thank you so much for joining us on the DNS podcast. Thank you for having me, Christina. I'm happy to be here. So I'm curious to hear Why have you chosen to focus so much of your time and professional energy on immunonutrition? Absolutely. So in my career, as you mentioned, I've put a lot of time into researching the prevalence of malnutrition in the hospital setting, as many clinical dietitians do, and given a lot of presentations to the medical students, residents, dietetic interns, and dietitians, not only in my facility, but other facilities as well. I've worked really hard to raise awareness and collaborate with multidisciplinary groups on how we can all work together towards battling malnutrition in the hospital setting. However, knowing that historically, nutrition interventions are implemented less than 50% of the time in patients, still in many facilities today, and that there's really not a lot of time while the patients are actually in the hospital to really improve their nutritional status, I really knew that we could always do better and wanted to try to find a way to 
improved nutritional status before patients ever even entered the hospital. And I really saw us as being able to do this, especially in our high-risk malnourished surgical patients. So the intervention part of it was difficult for me because you have to ask yourself the question, how are we actually going to do this? And I began looking into research with perioperative immunonutrition and its potential for helping to reduce the acute inflammatory response to decrease postoperative complications such as a post-op wound infection and overall length of stay. It became a big interest to me, as you said, about eight years ago, and I really wanted to work towards figuring out how we could implement this type of supplementation in the hospital. And it came with the typical hurdles of any new process, such as just bringing the medical team on board, especially the surgeons, because their office was going to play a key role in providing the immunonutrition product to patients. And getting them on board was going to be a challenge. Uh, budget, so who's going to pay for it? Obviously, it's not an inexpensive product, but in the long run, when you're looking at length of stay and you're looking at how much it costs to treat a wound infection, uh, when you're looking at someone that stays in the hospital longer because they have this post-op inflammatory phase or their diet's not advancing as quickly as we want it to, the cost of the product was going to be a lot less, obviously, than what those things were going to cost. And then we just had to look at, okay, who's our target population going to be? Who do we want to capture and really show that we can make a difference in? And how are we going to succeed? So again, eight years ago, I started looking at this. And about six or seven years ago, our facility decided that they were going to implement this pre-surgery planning clinic. So basically, this clinic was going to develop enhanced recovery after surgery protocols to improve patient outcomes. So they were going to optimize patients for surgery in many different ways. And I saw this as a perfect opportunity to work with their team and develop a way to incorporate nutrition intervention as a part of their program. So finally, we would be able to capture these patients prior to them ever coming to the hospital. And tell us about the research protocol itself that you're featuring in support line. Sure. Um, our protocol began with selecting our target patient population with our goal to demonstrate improved patient outcomes and overall health in our high risk or moderate risk surgical patients. The pre-surgery planning clinic was initially limited to colorectal surgery patients and urological surgery patients. So that determined our patient group for us basically. We decided to choose a non-randomized exploratory study. We had a limited sample size and we set our goals to compare patients that would receive the immune enhancing supplement prior to and after surgery. And then we also compared this with a group of historical patients that had not received any immunonutrition but had had similar surgeries. So our protocol was set to include patients that consume 12 to 15 cartons. So we wanted to see that the patients took at least 80 to 100% of the supplement for five days prior to surgery, and then the same number of cartons for five days after surgery. And then we also added a third group of patients that only consumed the 12 to 15 cartons prior to surgery, but not after surgery. So that we wanted to compare the differences there as well 
to see, are we actually still making a difference by patients that are only taking this pre-op or do they have to take it both pre and post-op and see what the differences were? We did have to exclude some patients. So any patients that were not a part of pre-surgery planning because the budget was going to come out of the pre-surgery planning clinic. So they were going to pay for it. And those who did not consume all the curtains as instructed had to be excluded. We also had to exclude any patients that were non-English speaking because just due to needing an interpreter for like post-op follow-up and whatnot, we wouldn't have been able to, that would have been a difficult task. Um, anyone that was less than 18 years of age or anyone that mentally was not able to follow through with the protocol, such as patients with Alzheimer's or mentally impaired. We also limited patients where immunosuppression was desired. So any patient that was say on an anti-rejection medication after an organ transplant, we didn't want to provide any immune stimulation for those patients. So we had to eliminate them. And then anyone with a milk protein or a fish allergy. So the only identified risks that we saw with the product were if we were to possibly give this to a patient that maybe had a potential allergy. So also soy include, was included in that as well. So milk, protein, soy, or fish oil. And then any patients that where the immune suppression was desired. And we assessed patients in the hospital for adverse events with a post-op visit. And then we called them a week after discharge and also monitored them uh, via chart review for 30-day readmission rates and complications. And we also had the patient sign an informed consent during their pre-surgery planning visit where the study and the product was explained to them as well. So that was basically um, our protocol in a nutshell. Well, and in the article, you reference collaborating with a lot of different folks at your facility, floor supervisors, staff nurses, surgeons, and other medical staff um, whose input was really needed to implement this protocol. So what was your approach to getting them on board with essentially changing how they manage this patient population? So working with the pre-surgery planning team was really a big part of that process for me because they were also trying to bring those same people on board for referrals to the clinic as well. So we collaborated very closely with them and also with my colleagues that were co-investigators on the research project, the nurse practitioner that was managing the pre-surgery planning clinic. We worked with her to schedule meetings in surgical offices, uh, floor manager meetings. We went to OR meetings with their manager and their team members, attended all the medical staff meetings, anesthesiologist meetings, and we developed presentations for all of those different groups. Most of the medical staff was very receptive to the protocols and implementation of the processes and we actually developed the protocols and showed them what this would look like. And once we were able to bring the surgeons and all of the other multidisciplinary groups on board, we provided in-services to the nursing staff on all the floors, worked with our electronic health record team. So we developed order sets and we also worked with our education department and developed teaching materials and tools and printouts that were posted on all the units. And so, Overall, all of the information was well-received by the majority of the surgeons and other team members. And what did your patients think about the protocol? 
So our patients initially, when we first started providing the product, I don't think that they really understood how important the pro it was to actually take the 12 to 15 cartons before and after surgery. Our acceptance was hit or miss, I would say. So we worked more to just look at our protocol for teaching them. What are we telling, what, what are we teaching the patients about why they should be drinking this supplement? How, how well are we reinforcing this product? And we found that more patients were taking the supplement pre-op and then post-op they were not taking it as well. So sometimes it was because they were just nauseous after surgery or it took a while for them to get their diet advanced or they just got, wanted to get back to life as it was before surgery. So we really worked hard with pre-surgery planning staff to have them reinforce the importance of the product prior to the patient ever coming to the hospital. And then we also worked on our education tools in the hospital as well, spent a little bit more time with the patients after surgery to explain the benefits and the research that we were doing. And as a result of that, we saw significant improvement in overall compliance to where almost every patient that we were going to see was taking the product as they had been instructed. And looking back, is there anything that you would do differently in, in the whole process of implementation? I think if I were to do it again, I would have liked to add another subcategory of patients and provided an alternative nutrition supplement. I'd like to compare the results without those key immunonutrients provided, but providing some supplementation and just to see what the differences would be. Aside from that, I, I don't really see anything that we would have done differently, except if we were to do it now, we could use a larger sample size. I think we would have seen more significance in some of the categories that we looked at if we had a larger group of patients. But since we started the process when the clinic was also just getting on its feet, it limited the amount of patients that we actually were able to include in the study. And I'm just curious to kind of piggyback onto that. Mm -hmm. How long did it take from, I have this great idea to we're now servicing these patients? Like what was the time span to do all of this work? I would say it took us probably about two years from that time span to really get things going and implement this whole protocol. It seemed like longer than that at the time, but I would say it was about two years. And was that two years, was that pre-pandemic or was some of this going on during the emergency? That was pre-pandemic. Okay. Very mm -hmm. good. Very good. So what's next as you continue to grow and involve this program? So looking forward, we'd like to expand the immunonutrition hospital-wide and provide the product to more patients than just those that are part of the pre-surgery planning program. Even if it's just given as a post-operative supplement, we feel that these patients are likely to benefit significantly as well. We did see positive trends in patients that took the supplement just pre-op, even if they did not receive it post-op as well. Obviously we saw the, the best results with patients that took it both pre and post-op, but I do believe that we can capture more patients this way and improve their nutritional status if we can expand hospital-wide. 
And are you referring to like all surgical patients or do you have certain patient types in mind that you would expand to first? So I would, it would be the high risk surgical patients or those that are at risk for malnutrition that we would target with that. So not necessarily a patient that comes is adequately nourished and they have to have a partial colectomy and then they're discharged. Like it would be more the patients that this they're going down a path of, you know, that downward nutrition spiral. Mm -hmm. So that's who we would target with it. And thinking about other facilities or, you know, maybe we have listeners on the line who mm-hmm. are interested in this area and thinking about how they could implement at their own facility what advice mm-hmm. would you give them to get started? I would say to find a physician champion that can really help to promote the product, such as an anesthesiologist or a surgeon, and bring them on board. And then I would say schedule medical staff meetings and just put the research out there and show the benefits. And then you can kind of go from there. It's, I think that when you can show the benefits and how much money you could potentially be saving the hospital, I really feel like when you see these benefits, it's, it's kind of a no brainer that we're doing, we're doing something for our patients that we've never been able to do before. We're not getting these patients that are already malnourished coming into the hospital. And then they're only here for four or five days and they go home. And really we had such a short period of time to intervene and improve this patient's nutritional status before they went home. So this is a way to say, you know, we can actually start before the patient comes into the hospital and we're still helping them after they're discharged from the hospital. Well, I think you've stumbled on like the perfect recipe to position a dietitian at the lead of the, of this initiative. You know, you've got a dietitian working at the top of their skill set, you know, help helping mm-hmm. patients. So you've got that patient benefit, and then you've got the enticement for the prescribers who are who are seeing those positive clinical results in their in their patient population. And then you have the cost savings potentially for the administrators at the facility. So I, I think this is great. It's like you've put the the whole package together. Right, absolutely. And when you incorporate immunonutrition as a bundle. So if you have facilities that have enhanced recovery after surgery protocols that are already working to optimize patients for surgery, whether it be glucose control or weight loss, and then you incorporate the immunonutrition as well, it's every little step, every little component that is maybe taking a day off of this patient stay in the hospital or helping that wound to heal. And I don't see how it's, it's almost a no brainer. This is, this is the future of nutrition and this is how we can actually make a big difference. Well, I think that difference is huge. And when you, when you really stop to think of the impact that one hospital day makes, um, it's ginormous. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I think with that, we will conclude today's podcast. Thank you, Erin, for taking time out of your schedule to chat with us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for asking me. It was a pleasure to be here. Listeners, to learn more about immunonutrition supplementation and high-risk surgical patients, please check out the December 2021 edition of Support Line at www.dnsdpg.org.
Until next time, I'm Christina Rollins. Thanks for listening.